What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of The Pivot Project. I'm with my really good friend, Michael. A uh, little bit of background on Michael before we get into it. Michael's actually a mindfulness teacher, a registered psychotherapist, and the founder of a leading Canadian corporate training firm that has delivered mindfulness training to over a million executives, employees, and organizations. That just boggles my mind because when I think about his journey, which we're gonna get into, it's just unbelievable how, how far he's made progress with the vision and, 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 and the committed actions that he's taken to get to this place. Um, just a little bit more background, he, he's personally trained and is currently personally training Olympic and professional athletes. Um, he's also the founder of one of the world's largest mindfulness conferences that's called a Mindful Society that's actually based annually right here in Toronto. So Michael, thank you for joining me, man. Pleasure to be here. Likewise. So let's get right into it. We're really wanting to deliver as much value as we can to the people that are watching this. And the people that are watching this statistically fit into the majority of people where they are under, um, you know, from a self-realization or, or even from a happiness perspective, they're, they're definitely in a job, but it's not their life uh, fulfillment. They're not in a place where they're really um, getting the most out of it and being able to deliver the most from, from a capability or from a perspective of, of who they are. So, you know, the disengagement factors statistically is you've got, you know, 20 to 30 to 40% that are completely disengaged and the other 20 to 30 that are somewhat disengaged and really the minority of people in jobs today where they're actually fully engaged in a life. So to be able to putting that into perspective, you know, statistically, the majority of you watching, how can we, uh, you know, from, a, from your story, how can, how can we focus and what's, what, what would be the intention of today for you to be able to deliver value. Let's sort of maybe put that, you know, focus or intention out there before we even start. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity to connect with you and to chat about these items. Uh, for me, probably one of the key things where I could provide some insight is around the mindset that's required mm. to, um, to, to find fulfillment. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of incredible research that's coming out in neuroscience uh, and in performance psychology and applied psychology that uh, really shows us, you know, the way that our, our minds function, especially mm -hmm. when we're in high stress modes or in burnout modes or, you know, when we're, we're completely absent-minded, if you will, mm -hmm. or when we're fully present, mm -hmm. what happens in those moments and how you can actually train that. Mm. Uh, and perhaps even share a little bit about my journey on how I went from a space of, of finding because I too was engaging a number of different uh, positions in a number of different companies and I, I truly wasn't fulfilled within them and I, mm. I, was, I was actively listening to that. Mm. I was really aware of that mm. and through that awareness I, I then was making my choices, my next steps. and. Uh, and then to the point where I've literally made my livelihood cultivating awareness in people's lives. That's awesome. And maybe let's, let's just, Coles knows tell that story because I've had the, uh, the privilege to be part of a lot of that journey. You know, I remember the first time um, when we were straight out of school, you had uh, moved to New York for a short period of time because that was sort of the first entry into PR and marketing. And you definitely made the, the maximum, you know, 
you, you maximize the opportunity. I remember you were doing some pretty crazy stuff, you know, in the middle of Manhattan, you were doing it for some really big brands. Mm -hmm. But what, at what point did you realize, was it there? I'm assuming it was there because you pivoted even after that when you didn't continue. Uh, how, how did you know, what were you listening to so that if someone is in the same boat, what, what, what should, how would you describe what you heard for them to be able to resonate with it maybe on, you know, whether it's time to try something new? So when I went to New York, which uh, Sam actually came with me and when I went to the interviews, the initial interviews at uh, Fleischmann Hiller, uh, yeah. the, one of the top marketing communications companies in the world, and they're based literally right beside Times Square. Yeah. And so you look at everybody there was Harvard, Yale, Princeton's trains, graduates, uh, and hey, don't, know, play, don't, don't play Western, man. Well, and, and here, here I am, the only Canadian of them all coming from nowhere and threw a boomerang their way saying, hey, you should consider me. And they said, yes, we will. Because of uh, actually some of the initiatives that we were engaging in mm -hmm. during our time at Western University, predominantly in the, uh, in the nightlife and entertainment mm -hmm. scene. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when I got there, I shared with them, you know, uh, what I was doing and that got me into engaging in this marketing communication exercises with mm -hmm. a number of different clients like Universal Studios, like Nike, mm -hmm. uh, etc. And essentially putting myself into some really wild uh, scenarios and situations. And all things were moving in a trajectory where I could continue with that company in a very... Uh, successful and and financially safe type of way mm -hmm. uh, there was you know moving up the ladder it was all situated very well for that but um, but actually this was a really unique there was a real critical moment while I was there where um, a business plan that I had written up and engaged with um, with some colleagues I was working with previously uh, came came to fruition. So I got the call actually from um, David Patchell Evans, who's the CEO and founder of Good Life Fitness here in Canada, mm -hmm. uh, one of the huge success stories of Canadian entrepreneurs. And uh, he goes, Michael, uh, I read through your business plan, and um, I want to fund this uh, this endeavor. And so, when can you come, and when can we do this? And in that moment, I looked at. Uh, really a key pivotal choice in my life. Do I continue in this space uh, and continue in this, you know, movement and, and this incremental steps as I go through uh, and the very safe steps? Yeah. Or sure. do I take this risk in my life mm -hmm. and follow something that uh, is a deep passion of mine? And also something that I put a lot of, uh, of effort behind and mm -hmm. a lot of thought into. Mm -hmm. And so, in that moment, I made a decision. I said, okay, listen, I'm, I'm gonna come next week and let's, let's begin this. I'm gonna fly back from New York, I'm gonna move back to London, Ontario, and let's launch this business. Yeah, I remember that. So, so for you, the, the aha moment or the lesson learned there was, even though it was uncertain or riskier, um, it paid off. So it reinforced the fact that no pain, no gain, or where you, you don't necessarily know how all the pieces are going to end up, but you were more prone to taking that risk than not. Would you attribute that to, you know, awareness and contemplation, just your personality? What would you actually, like, 
there's likely a lot of people that have opportunities and maybe they don't even see them as opportunities, they see them as risks. But there's a lot of people that may be in similar situations, obviously not identical with the people or the, the type of opportunity, but what, what do you think made you make that decision and then made you successful making that? Was it just luck? Was it timing? Was it something deeper? You know, as you're, I haven't actually thought about this. So mm -hmm. as you're saying this, it's, it's giving me a chance to, for the first time to actually reflect on that. And um, there was a lot of fear mm -hmm. uh, at that time mm -hmm. because here I am, you know, engaged in years at Western University to get my uh, business degree focused on finance. And here I'm, I'm working with these large organizations and there's all this potential and stability. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I had no idea this was going to actually pan out mm. and be beneficial. It actually didn't pay off, you know. And, but, but what uh, I did really listen to and something that really um, made a huge impact mm. was my ability to be with that fear mm. and trust that this decision to follow my passion mm is going to pay dividends beyond any conception of, of what I know to be mm. true in that moment. Because I have mm. no idea what's going to happen the next mm. the next month, the next year. Mm. I have no idea if things are going to continue in the way that they're going to go and continue to go. Because well, you know, I, I've noticed over the time that how I think things are going to actually happen. They never happen. The they never. Fire. They don't. It doesn't happen that way. Never. So really. It's so interesting. If we could disrupt the system, especially the system where we th how we think things are going to happen. Mm. Um, you mean the system of thinking? The system Internal of thinking, system. our actions. If we could just mm. disrupt them and change them mm. continuously, mm. it shakes us at our core to the point where we're so scared mm. that it can actually help us to... Um, to, to build new skill sets, to mm. deal with the challenges at hand, to deal with that uncertainty. And um, that was actually a pivotal step in my life where I made that choice actively knowing that I was entering into an abyss. Mm. And, and I just said, you know what? Screw it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust this. Mm. And what came out of it was a journey that I had no idea I'd go under. I get that. And that sent me into the trajectory where I believe I am today. So let's, let's decompress that for a little bit. So if I could peel the onion a little bit. What, what I understood what you just said there, I'm just going to repeat it make sure I got it. For you, it wasn't even the result from that one step that was actually the groundbreaking action. It was who you had to be to take that action that actually impacted you. Because that project in and of itself wasn't the project you ended up staying with. But by you taking those actions, it required you to have a different thought process, a different system, of a mindset, a, a even more fundamental who you're being at a, at a cerebral level, if you want to go there. Because then the next opportunity that presented itself that may even be riskier, you were prepared for. Or more willing to take what you may not have been if you hadn't taken that first step. Yeah. Is that that accurate? Yeah, well, it's, it's who I had to be to get through that threshold mm. of making that choice. Mm. And a lot of the fear was who I had to become mm. to actually make it out on the other That's side. That's awesome. I, I love that. So really, if someone was watching this, 
It's not even the action. It's not even the project that you're thinking of that's going to make or break you because statistically that's not even the project or, or the next step that's going to make you period. It's the fact that you took action. So if you're sitting on the fence watching this, you should audit who you're being sitting on the fence. You're making excuses saying, I need more information or I need to think about things more, but really all of those are just and conversations so that you are not having to be the person you have to be to actually have the results that you want. Yeah. And so for critical junctures in my life uh, where I was crossing these thresholds mm. and I noticed I started crossing them a little bit more easily every single time. Yep. It seems like there's that sort of, you know, when you say the decisions that we're making and the initiatives that we're engaging in aren't necessarily the end game. Yep. Actually, they are almost never the end game. It's and you don't know the end game. We have no idea what the end game is. So you can't even strategize to the end game. No, it's like uh, iteration. Yeah. Right. To iterate, so what you're doing is like, okay, I'm going to create something that moves a person from one place to another. So we start with the skateboard, and now some of that turns into the Tesla. Mm. Right. Mm. That leap was so incredible, and the only way to actually make that possible is to cross the threshold thousands and thousands of times. Like points. a muscle. It's and, and that training, like to be able to do that. Mm. There's some skills that are really helpful, and I notice that the more I actually engage in mindfulness practices for myself, right? Specifically, open and receptive acceptance of whatever it is that's coming my way in the moment, whatever mm. the experience is, mm. rather than judging it, mm. just holding it in this open and accepting, very curious stance allows me to move into in and out of uncertainty mm. in a different way where other people are literally resisting freezing they're fighting it they're running from it mm. and and mm. I, I see it you know in a number because right now I as well, as well I train thousands of people to do what I do mm. and it's so interesting to see how many aren't able to cross that threshold and how difficult it is and and that's not to be understated Mm. Right, because I think there's some, you know, our conditioning as we, uh, as we've been raised, yeah, the society that we're in, yeah, it really creates a heavily, heavily judgmental mind, yeah, mindset, yeah. right? Self criticism is yeah. really present, and so to be able to see that, to recognize that, yeah. and then to own it, yeah, and to know that I'm only going to grow from this by mm. stepping into this difficulty, mm. it's. Uh, it's pretty incredible what it can do. I love that because really, you know, this comes down from a personal development perspective. My biggest aha moment in, in all my books and all my courses and all my personal reflections is the whole concept of be, do, have, right? Our society, when you said that, it really resonated with me because today's society, we focus so much on knowledge or academic knowledge as the precursor to have power. But in fact, the more that you focus on that, the more you're missing the actual critical path that will get you there. And then, you know, I've, it actually hurts me when I talk to so many people that, you know, have asked me for advice and I, I can see they're totally lost because their whole theory is, I don't know what I want to do, so I'm going to go back to school to get more diplomas, more degrees, more theoretical knowledge without really working on myself. It's because society has conditioned us that somehow this type of, you know, and statistically, you know, you look at how many people have multiple degrees and are working minimum wage jobs, there's no correlation, actually, because some of the richest people in the world didn't finish university. So really, I'm not knocking school, 
right? But it's the societal constructs that have created a reality that's not based on any data, right? We're living in a world where the, if you just rewire your brain to actually work in your own self-interest, control your emotions, it's not even control, I mean, you could probably verbalize it more eloquently than me, but you know, for me, my experience is become aware of it, but don't resist it. So that fear that you felt, that fear that I felt every time I jumped into a business, every time that I tried something new, every time I moved to a different city where the cost of living was higher, and all of these things, you know, there was a lot of reasons I could have given why I shouldn't have done it. And they would have been probably valid reasons. But who I was being and who I was training myself to be was to be able to exercise that muscle, to be able to take the next leap, which might be even bigger that I wouldn't have been able to, to, to take. So. I, I, I find that actually fascinating because that's exactly what happened for you. Then you went halfway around the world, which to, to follow other opportunities, I mean, you, you had some crazy stories, which some of it we can't talk about on this video, but you know, you went to Australia, you went to India for a few years. I mean, you know, most people that are sitting there debating whether to start a part-time job on the side or do something for themselves. I mean, that's way less risky than I'm going to up heave my life and go halfway around the world to a culture that I have no context or, or context in. And then be able to just thrive fully because I'm just going to embrace whatever challenge there is. I mean, I think there's something really phenomenal for people to start analyzing how far away they are from being able to do something like that. You know, and I think there's, as right now, I find myself with two kids, right? Mm -hmm. uh, dealing with mortgages and, and the, the, you know, a lot of these uh, realities in life, um, there are, you know, real challenges. Yeah. And, uh, and even with the systems that are in place in society, there are, you know, some, some, I think, key needs to have a certain type of theoretical knowledge to be able to execute some key thing, right? Like in healthcare or in the government, this is where they sort of look at these public health initiatives. Mm -hmm. But the pathway to get to that point of excellence yeah. is much more quicker and much more direct through experience than it is to that knowledge. And right, and to get into experience, yeah. and this is, this is what you're saying is exactly spot on. You know, you look at some of the most successful people in the world, they don't have MBAs, right? They don't, they have, some of them haven't even finished secondary school, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just what they did was they set up a mindset to go and to a learning mindset and then also a mindset to be able to deal with challenges in a very resilient way, mm. right? And so, you know, this is, this is not to be understated. And so when you look at it, there are a number of critical points within our lives where we have a choice. Uh, and the choice as we get older gets, gets done, I, I for myself, the way I've been seeing it, yeah. And with much more wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. um, but to also develop. So our that. parents were right. We just <laughs> didn't understand. Exactly. <laughs> but sometimes you just have to go. Hey, you know what? I'm I'm trusting what's true for me, mm. and uh, and with discernment, I'm going to make these choices mm. with safeguards mm. to support myself to test breaking through these different thresholds mm. in my life. Mm. Like, for example, for me to be working on Bay Street over here in a, in a very, uh, you know, successful position as a salesperson, mm. <clears throat> completely not fulfilled, 
to then make the step to go to India to start up a not-for-profit organization working with top Bollywood stars mm. and one of the world's top designers, fashion designers. Mm. And to suddenly be in a space where, again, I completely have to become mm. something. And the fear was the, uh, what I needed to be to get through that threshold to make those decisions. Mm. Decisions that were being scoffed at and laughed at by everyone or questioned heavily, mm. like my parents, <laughs> like my loved ones, like my friends. I mean, look, we, we're, we're, we both have immigrant parents. I can appreciate it. You know, we didn't follow a standard path. Yeah. And, you know, from a paradigm perspective, that was hard for them to comprehend, not because they didn't, it, it came out of a place of love. But I think that's something really pivotal that the second you try to do something, most people are not winning, and by winning, I mean they're not fulfilled in life. Yeah. So if you follow the same pattern like everyone else, by definition, statistically, you're not going to win. So if you, the second you try to do something different than the masses, you're actually breaking paradigms. Now, you're breaking it for yourself, but it can be painful if you're breaking it for others that you care about. So how did you deal with that, and how long did that affect you? Like, how, how long was it until you started training hundreds of thousands of people and started making, you know, and having a team and having a company that they were able to, to see the vision or was it before or did it even matter to you after a certain point? Like, walk us through that. Yeah, but I think there's one thing I do want to mention around um, what I've learned is, is so essential mm. in, this, in this process mm. is that it's not so much the initiative, the project that I want to engage in, or the place, the direction I want to go, mm. that is uh, the big thing, mm. that is the right thing. Mm. But the cultivation of the resilience, the hardiness that we have to deal with the challenges of life, in the process of pursuit, mm that helps us to continue with this because if we know that majority of businesses fail mm. then what that requires us to move through is literally experimentation and testing mm. of so many different things when we engage in a business effort they fail because we thought that that is the ending mm. but really what it is is being hardy in what's coming up for us in the moment how the industries are changing how Decisions need to be made, how I need to market, how I need to test this, how do I need to understand what is what people actually want and what they're searching for. All these key parts is, is a constant learning and experimentation process mm. that requires this hardiness, this mental mm. toughness, this resilience, mm. and specifically a deep sense of self-compassion towards mm. ourselves. And, and so, all of that can be cultivated, right? And all of it can be cultivated. And so the biggest thing is... Um, the, you know, the success that's coming through the growth in my businesses wasn't my focal point. Mm. And this is something that I came to a deep realization when I was in India. Mm. When that not-for-profit uh, didn't come to pass the way that I thought it would. As a whole host of other initiatives. You went happen. failure from failure to failure to failure to bigger risks, to bigger bets, to failure to failure to failure. And I guess that's the... That's actually the point. That's not in spite of those failures. Those failures were actually data points that were getting you to where you needed to get because you were actually becoming the person you needed to become to be able to do what you actually ended up doing. 
they were all experiences mm. that built me to the person that I am today mm. and that continue to influence everything mm. that I do. And as I continue in what I'm doing day to day, moment to moment, that's continually building within me uh, different type of skills and ends. The interesting thing is all these experiences help me to be who I am. Mm. And all these failures are only a perception in the mind. But let, let me dive into that. When they were happening to you, did, they, did you experience them as failures or as experiences? I, I literally experienced the, all of them as learning opportunities. In the moment? In the moment. That's amazing. In the moment, I was. that's not to say that it, it felt brutal and challenging. Mm. When things were following, falling through the ground, mm. when opportunities were being lost, mm. decisions were made that were completely yeah. offline from where I wanted to go. Right, right. And those, those were really yeah. heavy, tough times. I remember. Tears and despair. And I remember some serious Skype calls. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you need a support network. Yeah, so like the mastermind you. principle is really key to have a real solid group of people that support you through this mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. is really powerful. But then, what helped me bear through the trials and tribulations of life, mm. and this is just happening here now in today's society mm. at a much more heavy pace than even you know looking back 15 years ago in my yeah. life. Yeah. That was when I really took flight in this. Um, my meditation practice steadied me through the trials and tribulations mm. of day-to-day -day life. And Literally, in the middle of all this intensity and these decisions and where I was, I came to a deep realization that, wow, this practice that is helping me so immensely deal with the intensity of life, mm. to bring novel ideas to bear and new uh, products and services that could potentially help other people, mm. it, was help it was helping me to essentially stay resilient throughout it all. Mm, mm. And so in that moment, there was a key turning point mm. where I realized this is going to be my life. This mm. practice which has sustained me and supported me, mm. I, I, I need to share this with as many people as possible because I just know that society is going to get eaten up by the challenges and stressors of today's life without these types of practices. Mm. Right, especially when it comes to mental health, because I know it's from my own anxiety, mm. my own bouts of depression when things were low, mm. that if I didn't have that perspective that these practices were providing me, mm. that I would have closed the book on all of that a long time ago. Mm. And so this is where I, I made that decision saying, my focal point isn't to build business, but to become the best I can become and continue in that iterative process in my own mm. personal growth. Mm. To become the best in this field mm. so that, that I can then share this in the most effective way with as many people as possible. Mm. Mm. And I think that that's also something as well that I took to every single role I was in. When I went into the marketing and communications firm, I wanted to become the best in that role as I could possibly become. Mm. And so that was the passion that drove me to do that work. When I went in and started up and became the chief operating officer of the salon and spa, the business plan that I wrote after that, alongside uh, David Patch Levins and Heather Wenman, which is one of the world's top editorial stylists at the time. Um, I, I had to become the best manager of, of a, a team of 57 people mm. and learn an industry 
mm. and then become an educator in front of millions of people when we traveled the, the North America to talk about this. Mm. I could then also become a main stage speaker mm. where I could speak in front of millions of people. I had to become that. And there are moments where I was buckling on stage. There's moments where I was buckling in front of the clients and employees. No idea what I'm doing, mm. but figuring it out along the way. Mm. Coming into India and figuring out how to start a not-for-profit company that's uh, supporting the environment. Mm. How, to, how to do something like that when I have no idea what the language is, right? Mm. And then now suddenly to go, okay, now I'm going to enter this field of becoming a mindfulness teacher. Mm. How can I support the lives of people and share with them some of these trainings that have helped me immensely throughout that process of becoming. Mm. And so, uh, and that's really what supported me in coming to, to this moment in my life too. Got that. So if I would s summarize sort of the, the whole conversation that we had into, you know, one punchline, if I could, to be able back to, to give focus and, and something of value to those watching. If you're sitting on the fence, the problem is not the opportunity. The problem is that you're not aware that you're a fence sitter. The problem is that there is no problem. Oof. The, the act of moving through these gates of challenge mm. and figuring out who do I need to be to move through these gates to then who do I need to become mm. to support these next steps in my life? Mm. That's that iterative cycle that allows us to move through any of these hurdles and ultimately to view all these, these blockages, these challenges that are holding us back mm. from reality mm. as these figments of, of our thoughts. Mm. And thoughts are not facts. They're data points that we can use that meaning we create. Yeah. And we, that's the meaning that we create. And if we create meaning that something is a failure or is a problem or I can't or I won't, uh, we just need to recognize that that's happening and in those moments bring great compassion, mm. openness and acceptance towards whatever is showing up for us Fair. and see that that's what everybody experiences. So, I retract my judgment of calling you a fence sitter. So if we could, uh, if we could go then and, and really condense that, what would be the advice you would give to someone? What would be the next step or the, the key advice you would give to someone in that position? I would say uh, the, the most pivotal thing that, that supported me in my life is a process of really turning the lens inward and looking inside, searching inside myself of what it is that's holding me back What's, what is it that is allowing me to move forward? Mm. And to really embrace the things that are holding me back. Mm. Seeing them, befriending them, noticing them, being okay with them. And moving towards that difficulty, even mm. if I'm fearful of it. Mm. Because in that act of moving towards that which is most challenging comes one of the most greatest growing experiences that we could ever ask for in our mm. lives. And it's also one of the hardest things we can do as humans. Mm. It's awesome. Thanks for joining us, man. My pleasure.